I want you to hit me as hard as you can. He's a simple everyman with good looks that were very unconventional to Hollywood. He conquered the industry with a career that spans over 50 years. And his name is Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman is one of the greatest actors of all time, appearing in multiple groundbreaking classics and some blockbusters too. He's a two-time Oscar winner and everybody's favorite coach. But if it feels like you haven't seen Gene Hackman in a movie for a while, well, that feeling is correct, because Gene Hackman has not appeared on the silver screen since the year 2004 AD, Anno Domini. And right now it's the year 2020 AD, and if you can do math, well, you know that that's a lot of years. So why did he step away from the spotlight? What brought on this cinematic retirement? Did Gene Hackman not love movies anymore? Or did movies not love Gene Hackman anymore? The answer may shock you. Or slightly interest you. But you gotta watch the video to find out, so here we go. What the f***? What the f*** happened to Gene Hackman? But to truly understand what happened to Gene Hackman, we must start at the beginning. His father abandoned the family when Gene was 13 years old, and this caused the poor young lad to feel lost, understandably so. Looking for some direction in his life, he lied about his age and joined the Marines. Gene was 16 years old. He served his country and spent some years traveling around the world. After about five years as a Marine, Gene Hackman went to New York. He got an education, went to school, tried his hand at numerous jobs, and it wasn't until the age of 30 that he tried out acting. Gene Hackman joined an acting class and was voted least likely to succeed, alongside his fellow two-time Oscar winner, Dustin Hoffman. Gene and Dustin were BFFs, and the duo quickly became a power trio when they befriended fellow aspiring actor Robert Duvall. Gene, Dustin, and Robert would audition all day long and drink all night. Hackman, Hoffman, Duvall, they were one of the original legendary Hollywood party boys before they were even famous. You may be right, but the thing of it is, I don't give a shit. What's more, I never have. Gene Hackman was cast in the film Lilith, where he met Warren Beatty, and this led to his next project, a film that would not only change Gene Hackman's career, but change the world. The world of movies. But sometimes movies have an effect on our society, so in a way, yes, you can say that this next movie changed the world. And that movie was Bonnie and Clyde. It was a countercultural phenomenon and it revolutionized how Hollywood dealt with violence and sex, perfectly capturing the zeitgeist of the 60s, even though it takes place in the 30s. The classic good guy, bad guy structure of storytelling was shattered with this one. These good-looking criminals were fighting the man and standing up to the establishment. And cool people have told me that fighting the man and standing up to the establishment is cool. And robbing banks has never been so cool. Audiences everywhere were rooting for these violent crooks, and that's a sign of good character development. 
Gene Hackman gave a fantastic, energetic, scene-stealing performance as Buck, Clyde's fun-loving brother. He was wonderful in the supporting part that earned him an Oscar nomination. His first. Then, in 1969, came a film called Downhill Racer, a ski movie with Robert Redford, one of the first sports movies to really make an impact. This would be our first time seeing Gene Hackman as a coach. That same year, he was in the movie Marooned, aka Space Travelers, which is the only Oscar-winning film to be featured on Mystery Science Theater 3000, MST3K. It won an Oscar for special effects. Three boys in plastic bubbles. Ah, but look at that acting. Hackman is always good. Mm -hmm. In the following year, 1970, he starred in the film I Never Sang for My Father and gave a powerful performance that was extremely personal. Gene used the film as a message to his family, and it's a very underrated character study for Mr. Hackman. His character even shares his name, Gene. Gene plays Gene. Another Oscar nomination came with this film. <laughs> the next year was 1971, and that brought us the classic crime thriller, The French Connection. Gene Hackman won Best Actor at the Oscars, and he gave an eloquent and emotional speech. He seemed very grateful for the award. But apparently he has misplaced the unholy golden idol and has yet to find it. Gene Hackman doesn't know where his Oscar is. It's a mystery. Sounds like an epic, movie-themed treasure hunt. The Search for One of Gene Hackman's Oscars. Starring Gene Hackman as Gene Hackman. But yes, The French Connection. Originally, he didn't even want to play this character because Gene only saw him as a racist. And Gene Hackman hates racism. But eventually, he learned to see the depth of Popeye and agreed to do the part. But production was very difficult and Gene Hackman quit on day number two. That's right, Gene Hackman quit The French Connection on the second day of shooting. Luckily, his agent convinced him to return to the picture. And director William Friedkin would use Gene Hackman's rage and frustration to channel the character's rage and frustration. This resulted in one of the finest performances of all time. You better forget the haven't you? I want to hear it! Come on! Yes, yes, I've... You've been there, right? Yeah, yeah. You sat on the edge of the bed, didn't you? You took off your shoes, put your finger between your toes and picked your feet, didn't you? Now say it! Yes! All right! And along with Gene Hackman's Best Actor Oscar, The French Connection also won Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and Best Editing. All well-deserved. This film is terrific and stands out as one of the greats during the new Hollywood Renaissance. It was the perfect addition to the American New Wave. It's gritty, it's real, almost documentary style. Back in my film school days, William Friedkin came to my college to speak and present a screening of The French Connection. It was a wonderful opportunity. And of course I loved seeing this classic on the big silver screen with the director in the room. But I remember hearing a group of young film students, I'm using the finger quotes when I say that, film students call the film boring. I'm using the finger quotes when I say that. Boring. These film students called The French Connection boring. With William Friedkin in the room! And pardon my French Connection, but what the f***? But I respect their horribly wrong opinions. Or am I horribly wrong? Does The French Connection still hold up? Or are those film students just f***ing morons? Is it boring? Is it exciting? Comment your comment in the comments.
and that car chase, it's so deliciously dangerous, and you want to know why? You want to know why it's deliciously dangerous? Because it's real. Those are real cars moving really fast on real streets. You can feel the danger because it's real. It's actually fast. It's actually furious. I don't think they Tokyo Drift, though. Gene Hackman and co-star Roy Schneider were so dedicated to the realism of this film that they followed around the real police officers in which this movie was based off of. Gene Hackman even participated in real-life drug busts and had to hold down a suspect. Like, physically hold down a suspect. These were real method actors stopping real meth heads. Next, Gene Hackman battled the ocean itself in the Poseidon Adventure. He plays a priest whose faith and world has literally been turned upside down when a giant wave overturns a cruise ship, and he struggles against the elements to save as many souls as possible. Gene Hackman's intensity is perfect for this disaster epic adventure, but Hackman earned a reputation as being difficult to work with. Lots of creative differences with the screenwriter and the director, and Gene was demanding changes to the character and the story. And looking back, many say that Gene Hackman's ideas were actually the right way to go, made the film better. Kind of like how his character was right in How to Save Those People. But Gene Hackman's ego and rudeness caused a lot of tension on set. He clashed with many of the cast and crew, and some say this affected the tone of the film. And Gene's bad mood gave the film a darker feel, which actually helped. So, even Gene's bad mood makes the film better. He's that good. So let's all praise Mighty Poseidon for bringing such a motion picture event to our silver screens with Gene Hackman. Thanks, Poseidon. I told you I was gonna get everybody out of here and goddammit, I'm gonna do it! Then in 1972, he did a film called Prime Cut, and 1973 brought us the film Scarecrow with Al Pacino. It's a Buddy Road movie starring two of the greatest actors of their generation. And to get into character, Gene and Pacino would walk around town dressed as bums. And they lived rough. I put quotes around bums and rough. They even hitchhiked around, but at night they would return to their four-star hotels. But Gene Hackman is great in this, and he got to play around with his character's pain and despair. This is one of Gene Hackman's favorite films of his own. Then came The Conversation in 1974. It's Francis Ford Coppola's masterpiece that he made in between Godfathers. Two cinema titans, Francis and Gene, at the peak of their talents, working together during an exciting time for cinema and history. Smack dab in the middle of the Cold War. It's perfect. This film has all of the ingredients to be an amazing motion picture, and it is. The conversation often gets lost in the conversation when talking about great movies, but it's one of the greatest of all time. Unfortunately, it's sandwiched in between Godfathers. But you know what they say about things that are sandwiched? They taste good, if you can taste movies. But you can watch them and listen to them. Speaking of listening, this movie's about listening. And Gene Hackman gives a very quiet performance. He's a good listener. I love everything about this movie, except for the dream sequence. I don't know, it's just not for me. What do you guys think? Am I wrong again? Comment your comment in the comments! And I was extremely impressed with Gene Hackman's saxophone playing. 
he learned the instrument just for the film. You can feel his extreme paranoia just jumping off the screen and it feels so good. Conversation. Love it. In 1975, he teamed up with Arthur Penn, again the director of Bonnie and Clyde, and made Night Moves. That same year, he made the movie Bite the Bullet, and he had a hilarious cameo in Young Frankenstein. He plays the monster's blind friend. Gene Hackman wanted to try his hand at comedy, so he did the role for free. This is one of the funniest movies ever made, and this is one of the best cameos ever done. There are no small parts, just small actors, said, said someone who had a small part. But this spoof scene is probably more famous than the original Bride of Frankenstein scene that it was spoofing. Where are you going? I was gonna make espresso. Then came The French Connection 2. Gene Hackman hated the idea of a sequel at first, but then he read the script and liked the direction that the story was going. Now his character was a drug addict. It's a different kind of film than the first French Connection. It's a different director, a different tone, really. But it is still a decent piece of movie making. Then in 1977, the year of the Star War, he joined the ensemble cast of the epic war film A Bridge Too Far. And in 1978, he played supervillain Lex Luthor with hair in Superman. He refused to shave his head or wear a bald cap. Except for the final scene, of course. Gene's interpretation of Lex Luthor is funny, it's playful, it's charming, and evil. Everything we need in a Lex Luthor, except he has way too much hair. But not as much as Jesse Eisenberg. Gene Hackman fit very well into the comic book world, but after Superman, he immediately announced that he was retiring. His first retirement. The movie business had left him emotionally and physically drained. But he was brought out of retirement by brother Clyde himself, Warren Beatty, for the epic film Reds. And remember, this is the same guy who got him the part in Bonnie and Clyde. So Warren Beatty helped create Gene Hackman's career and Gene Hackman's comeback. His first comeback. Gene owes a lot to his pal Warren. Come to think of it, we all owe a lot to Warren Beatty. Thank you, Mr. Beatty. I love it. God damn, I love it. Get him out, Jack. Get him out. 1983 was a very busy year for Gene Hackman. He was in the films Eureka, Under Fire, and Uncommon Valor. Then in 1985, he worked with Arthur Penn again in Target, the movie, not the store. Then came one of his most popular movies on his filmography, 1986's Hoosiers. This is the true story about how white people can sometimes be good at basketball. It's the all-American sports story that every dad loves. It's a great underdog story, and actually the making of the film itself is an underdog story. Nobody had faith in Hoosiers. Not even Hackman, who openly spoke about how the film would be a flop. Imagine the movie star of your movie just walking around going, This is gonna fail. No one outside of Indiana is gonna see this. It's my Gene Hackman impression. It's probably the best Gene Hackman impression of all time. But yeah, Gene Hackman did not think that anyone outside of Indiana would be interested in this silly little basketball movie. Gene wanted off the movie, and according to the director, Gene Hackman made the set hell on Earth. And fistfights almost broke out behind the scenes. And legend has it only the great Dennis Hopper could calm Hackman down. But Coach Hackman was pleasantly surprised after viewing the film and learned to love it. 
and he was very proud that the world embraced his ragtag team. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. Then there was Mississippi Burning. Another well-deserved Oscar nomination came with this one. He plays an FBI agent caught in the middle of a crime down south during the Jim Crow era. This film is great, and Roger Ebert agrees with me. He called Mississippi Burning the best film of the year. This film actually disturbed Gene Hackman, and he vowed to never make another violent movie again. So you might as well back up your bags and head your ass on back up north where you belong. Where'd it go? Ah, ah, oh! And you get this straight, shit kicker. Don't you go mistaking me for some whole other body. 1987 brought us the film No Way Out with Kevin Costner. And Kevin says that Gene is the best actor he's ever worked with. And Gene Hackman has said that working with Kevin Costner reminded him of why he loves acting. Aw, they got along. That's so sweet. And during this time, Gene Hackman was going through a bitter divorce, so he was feeling pretty down. And working on No Way Out helped him get out of that slump. So there was a way out, through No Way Out. In 1987, he returned as Lex Luthor with Superman IV The Quest for Peace. Which is one of the worst things ever made. Not only one of the worst movies ever made, one of the worst things ever made. Y'all come back and see us now, yeah? Launch. Then Gene Hackman did another war movie called Bat 21. And he kicked off the 90s with a horrible buddy cop comedy called Loose Cannons with Dan Aykroyd. This cartoonish pile of crap lost millions at the box office and has a whopping 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. That same year he did the Carrie Fisher semi-autobiographical film, Postcards from the Edge. And Gene based his character off of Superman director Richard Donner. Shit. That's as good as it got all day. We never got a full take after that. Then he acted in another Best Picture winner, Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, which won Gene Hackman his second Oscar Best Supporting Actor. And during his speech, this tough guy got extremely emotional again when thanking his uncle. It, it's nice to see this sweet side of Gene. He does have a soul. Hackman is wonderful as Little Bill in Unforgiven. He was a bad guy, using quotes, but you could sympathize with his motivation. You could tell that he, he at least believes in what he's doing, which makes him a believable character, which makes us invested in the story, which makes the movie good. He wasn't just your typical black hat wearing corrupt sheriff, no, he was a human, and he didn't see himself as the heavy. In Little Bill's mind, he's the hero of Unforgiven. He's a very interesting antagonist. The best type of bad guy. The bad guy who thinks he's righteous. Like Thanos, for those of you who only watch Marvel movies. But originally he was turned off by the violence of the script and turned down the role many, many times. But he really wanted to work with Clint Eastwood. So he decided to do it. And Mr. Eastwood was able to convince Gene Hackman that the film would not glorify violence. In fact, at its core, Unforgiven shows the dark side of the West and depicts the real effects of violence. And Gene Hackman hates violence. 
Possibly because of the success of Unforgiven, over the next few years, Gene did nothing but westerns. There was Geronimo, an American legend, in 1993, followed by the major flop Wyatt Earp in 1994, and Sam Raimi's The Quick and the Dead in 1995. Then there was the movie The Firm. He's great at playing a corrupt lawyer. And Hackman makes this movie more than just a courtroom drama. He takes it to the next level. And Tom Cruise really loved working with Gene Hackman and admired his work ethic. Then in 1995 came Crimson Tide, an awesome submarine movie. And just like Tom Cruise, Denzel Washington was in awe at Gene Hackman's acting skills. Even though Gene accidentally punched Denzel on set, it was an accident, he swears. Gene is always impressing and inspiring the younger generation of actors. So thanks Gene, your influence can be felt throughout the pages of cinematic history. Even all the way from a submarine. I say again, I order you to place command under arrest on the charge of mutiny. That same year he brought us Get Shorty. He plays a film producer in this hilarious gangster comedy, and Gene was really nervous about doing a comedic role, but discovered that the humor was in how serious he took the material. He was the straight man. So this was right up his alley. In 1996, he took Extreme Measures in the film Extreme Measures, and that same year he took on another comedy, The Birdcage. He got to do some drag and work with Robin Williams. And even though this film has its fair share of flamboyant funny people, critics praised Gene's straight-laced performance as the standout. They said he was the funniest. And once again, he was funny because he was trying not to be funny. That's the key to comedy, which I haven't discovered yet. Then in 1997, he worked with Eastwood again and played the president in the movie Absolute Power. He had absolute power. In 1998, he did a movie called Twilight, I checked and there's zero sparkly vampires in this one, so I skipped it. But that same year he did the film Enemy of the State, which feels like an unofficial spiritual sequel to the conversation. He's basically playing the same character, but in 1998. Will Smith leads this action thriller, but Gene Hackman brings this picture to life. Gene turned down this role many, many times until he got a personal phone call from director Tony Scott, who was able to convince Gene that he was perfect for the part. So thanks, Tony. What the hell is happening? I blew up the building. Why? Because you made a phone call. Also, in the year 1998, he made Ants with a Z, which was overshadowed by A Bug's Life, but I think it's very clever. Gene is wonderful as the bad ant. He kicked off the new millennium with another sports film called The Replacements. But this time, he coaches Keanu in Football Americano. In the year 2001, he did the film Heist, Critics liked it. And the romantic comedy Heartbreakers. Jennifer Love Hewitt tries to break his heart. And his wallet. And also in the year 2001, Gene Hackman brought us the Royal Tenenbaums. What's wrong with you? Damn. That's all. Are you crazy? I thought maybe I am dying. Wes Anderson wrote the role just for Gene. Wes told Gene that he was writing a script with him in mind as the lead, and Gene told him not to do that. Gene Hackman doesn't like playing characters that are made for him. He likes to invent the character himself. And he insisted that Wes not write the script. But Wes, being the bad boy he is, did it anyway. That mischievous little hipster. And the rest is history. Gene took on the role as Royal Tenenbaum, 
even though it made him uncomfortable to play an absent father because he himself was not exactly the world's greatest dad. He never got that coffee mug, but Gene talked it over with his family, who he has since made up with, and they all decided that he should do the film and use his personal family issues to enhance his performance. And he's perfect in this movie. Perfect. It's an amazing ensemble cast and Gene Hackman holds it all together. But Wes and Gene had some creative differences and clashed on set. Gene didn't understand Wes's weird vision, understandably so. But he did win the Golden Globe, but he wasn't even nominated for an Oscar. I'm sure Gene didn't care, but he was totally robbed that year. Many have called this wonderful film his swan song. You son of a bitch! God damn! That's the last time you put a knife at me, hear me? That same year, he was in Behind Enemy Lines with his Tenenbaum co-star, Owen Wilson, who was really trying hard to be an action hero at that time for some reason. It didn't do well with the critics, but it's a fun action movie. Then in 2003, he finally got to work with his BFF Dustin Hoffman in the film Runaway Jury. I've seen this movie, but I remember the marketing campaign better than the actual film. It was advertised as the ultimate acting showdown. Hackman versus Hoffman. Who will win? Watch as these thespian juggernauts chew all the scenery and then some in this forgettable movie. It did alright with the critics, though. It's good. I just don't remember much. It's good. It's good. That same year, he was honored with the Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globes. He spoke of his lifelong love of acting and how he never wanted to do anything else. People could see that Gene Hackman was about to throw in the towel. But before he did that, he had to give us one more masterpiece. In a way. Or at least he was going to try. So in the year 2004 came his final film, Welcome to Mooseport, where he learned that not everybody loves Raymond. I'm running for the mayor of Mooseport! Is he losing his mind? It's a film about a former president running for mayor of a small town against a plumber. Plumber versus president, who will win? This is a laughless bore that many have called pointless, and the script has been compared to an extremely long sitcom without a laugh track to remind us when it's funny. But Roger Ebert gave it 3 out of 4 stars, so... so there's that. It was released during an election year, so I guess audiences were just tired of political stuff? Or maybe audiences were just tired of movies that weren't funny. I don't know. And Gene instantly retired after that one. It's so sad to see Gene leave us with this turd of a movie, but even the best players miss the basket every now and then. But let's look on the bright side, let's get the glass half full. At least there's only one Mooseport movie. Huh? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so if he's not acting anymore, what's he doing now? This retired man is now living in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and loving it. Away from the hustle and bustle of Holly Weird, Gene and his wife can enjoy the simple life and blend in amongst us unworthy peasants. Just like Jack Nicholson, Gene Hackman had no interest in working until death which some actors do. He had enough money and enough respect to look back on his career with pride. No need to pump out moose port after moose port after moose port. You know what I mean. 
Plus, Hackman was not interested in playing elderly characters, and since he was elderly, that's all that was offered. He didn't want to age on screen. He never liked the hassle of film production anyway. Never wanted to be a movie star. He's just an actor who happened to get famous. He's an artist at heart, and he just wants to create. So even though he's retired from the movie industry, that doesn't mean that Gene Hackman, the artist, has stopped working. No way. He just changed his tools. He's no longer using movies to express himself. Gene Hackman is using something called books. That's right, Gene Hackman now writes novels and now considers himself a full-time writer. He is the author of many westerns, thrillers, and historical fiction. They actually seem like some really interesting books. Now all I gotta do is learn to read. But he did somewhat come out of retirement to narrate a documentary about the Iwo Jima flag raisers, and another documentary about Marines, because, you know, he's a Marine. What were the circumstances leading up to the decision a 16-year-old kid makes about going into the Marine Corps for you? I couldn't get laid, you know, and... Uh... <laughs> And there was that scandalous scuffle in 2012 in Santa Fe, when Gene Hackman slapped a homeless man. He claimed he was being aggressive to his wife, so he took care of him just like Popeye would. This scandal did not hurt his career in any way because his career was already over and nobody cared. If I saw Gene Hackman beating up a homeless man on the streets, I would just assume it was for a good reason. Like, what he do? He did something. Better listen to Popeye. Mr. Hackman did slap the homeless male across the face. But the real question is, will Gene Hackman return from retirement? I don't think so. You gotta know when to fold him. And Gene Hackman stepped away from the game just in time to not ruin his amazing legacy. So I have come to the conclusion that it's totally okay that Gene Hackman stepped away from the spotlight. It's probably for the best. This unforgiven actor has been forgiven. Even though I was never really upset with him for leaving anyway. So nobody should give a fuck about what the fuck happened to Gene Hackman. Cause he's given us so many great films and there's no need for any more. Let's just re-watch Bonnie and Clyde, The French Connection, The Conversation, Hoosiers, and The Royal Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums, am I saying that right? So I say let's just let the dude enjoy his Southwestern retirement in peace. And that's what the fuck happened to Gene Hackman. Lost the signal with Canary. Oh, oh. you know, he's oh. always good, isn't he? Oh. Yes.